0: I started in ministry, um, I started out with middle schoolers. And uh, for some people, that's like your definition of like the worst thing ever. But I loved it. I loved it because um, it's during middle school, developmentally, what that means, uh, that's the time that people's kind of your abstract thinking comes online. And so I would get to see that light bulb kind of come on in these kids during the course of Kind of watching them developing and stuff. And so suddenly one day they'd come in and and they're like aware of people other than themselves, you know, because that's abstract thinking. That's getting outside. And suddenly they're able to talk about concepts and stuff instead of just like concrete what's right in front of them. And, and, but the other thing that it meant was that they could come up with, um, they could come up with alternatives, like to everything, right? So, so I'd say, hey, we're going to do this. And half the room would say, um, I got another idea. Right, and and so there, and it didn't even have to be a good idea, right? It, it could be, it could be the most absurd idea. It could be, it could be illegal. It could be a dangerous. It could be impossible. But they were just so proud of themselves because they could come up with like ten options. All of a sudden, they're like, "You said this, but look at these, right?" And so uh, it, it was, it was a fun time. And for that's for middle school, that's normal. That's good. That's that's development, right? So the, the problem comes when uh, we do the same thing with God. Right? So God comes and he says, hey, um, this is how life is meant to be lived. And we go, mm, I got another idea, God. In fact, I got about 10 other ideas. And we pursue those. And we find that they, they can get us in trouble. We go with those options. Uh, you know, In our day, there's a lot of talk. About, you know, there's, sure, you may talk about God's truth, but I don't believe in that because I live my truth, right? Or you live your truth, or we just kind of dwell. And so we make it up as we go and we, we hang on to these options, these alternatives, and we believe that truth comes in many alternate forms. When, when Jesus was talking about truth and he was talking about uh, what it meant to follow God and to be his and to be his people, he didn't talk about truth that way. In John 17, uh, he's praying, he's praying for his followers, his disciples, those who he's trained for three and a half years who had followed him, and he's praying for them, and he's praying that the Father would do for them, uh, that he would sanctify them, that he would set them apart, and as he was about to leave, that they would be able to kind of take up that baton, that he would he's praying for the Holy Spirit and, and for uh, them to know how to continue this mission that he had begun. Uh, Why don't you stand with me? We're gonna look at these words there in John 17, uh, 14 through 21. One of the things he prays also is it wasn't just for those who immediately followed him. He also said, I'm praying for those who will believe based on their testimony, based on their word, that they would be be covered by the same prayer. So this this reaches down to us. Okay, so these words are for them, but they were also for, for us as well. John 17, 14 to 21. Father I have given your word to these that they that you have so I have given your word to these who you have given to me. And the world has hated them because they are not of this world even as I am not of this world. I don't ask you to take them out of this world but to keep them from the evil one to guard them. These are not of the world even as I am not of the world so sanctify them in the truth. Listen to this, your word is truth. And as you sent me into this world, I have also sent them. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves might also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but also for those who also will believe in me through their word so that they may, be all, they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. We're in this series on spiritual warfare. We've kind of seen that this is about the fight of our lives. It's not just one of many fights or struggles. This is like the fight that is going on in our lives. This is the struggle that defines all of the struggles, all of the challenges that we have. And in describing this in, in Ephesians 6, the apostle Paul he writes and he says, you know, the first piece of equipment that you need to know about is this thing that that is called the belt of truth. You need to know that truth is the first piece of equipment you need to know about that you need to that you need to strap on. Without it everything kind of keeps flying around, everything keeps tripping us up in this life. So he says, put on the belt of truth. Today's message is titled buckle up. So you ready? Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, we need to hear your truth. So we need our ears to be open. We we know that truth doesn't come except through your Holy Spirit. Truth doesn't come except by way of your mouth, by way of your breath. And so, Lord, we need to hear your truth. We don't need to hear the clutter that we come up with, the alternatives that we come up with. We don't need to hear that. We don't need to dig down into that middle school brain of ours and come up with the best that we can come up with. We need to hear. We need you to do a miracle this morning because we need to hear your voice. We need you to act supernaturally so that we can hear you clearly and not only hear the words, but that our hearts would receive them and understand and be shaped by them and continue this work of transformation that you're doing in us to make us more like Jesus less like this world, less like the brokenness of our, ourselves before you and more like this, this new creation. That day by day we would see that, that we're being transformed into the likeness of his glory, into that glory that we are called into so that we, re, we bear the image of whose children we are because we are no longer children of that, of that first couple, of Adam and Eve. We have been removed from that From that broken line and we have been instead placed in the line of your glory. The line of the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth, the new people of God, the body of Christ. So Lord, do your work today. Holy Spirit, do your work today. Come and take this place. Come and take this time and use it for your work. Let us hear your word. Let's be changed by it. It comes with power. Let us be sanctified in truth. Your word is truth. We pray these things for your glory, Father, because this is your plan. This is your work. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who has given himself that these things might be possible. We pray these things by the power of the Holy Spirit, who even now is moving among us. In your name, amen. Amen, have a seat. So uh, when I was in high school, there was a, um, a guy in our church and he hired me and a couple of my friends to go out and do some yard work for him. Now he lived out, uh, they, their family lived out in the country. They were on this kind of large property with this, you know, and there's a lake behind it and it was a hot day. So we got done working and we said, you know, we want to go swimming. And the problem was we didn't have our swimsuits. Now don't get worried. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, so we decided to go swimming in our in our in our blue jeans. If you've ever gone swimming in your jeans, you know why that's not a trend for anybody. Um, because you start swimming, they get, they get heavy. And they get, they get kind of bulky. And, and they, start, they start slowing you down and weighing you down. They start dragging you down. They start wearing you out to the point that this friend of mine, one of my friends, he nearly didn't make it back from the platform that we were swimming to and then back. He nearly didn't make it. He nearly, really, he nearly drowned that day. And we were barely able to get him to the, back to the shore because choosing the right outfit sometimes has life and death consequences. When we read in Ephesians 6, about how we are living in these two worlds. We live in this physical one, but we also live in this spiritual one. And then we're told that in the spiritual world that we live in, there is a war going on. We need to realize that what that's saying is that it is is important what we choose to get to to put on in terms of spiritually, what, what outfit we choose to wear. And so Ephesians 6 tells us, it says, so put on, The armor of God. You gotta put on the armor because you're in a battle. And the first piece of the armor that he tells us put on, that it tells us in Ephesians six is put on what many would call the belt of truth. Now, literally, it doesn't talk about a belt. It says just it says, So gird up, and it says, gird up your loins with, with truth. And in that day, the loins it was just talking about this whole kind of, this whole midsection from the bottom of your ridge to ribs to about the middle of your thighs, all that kind of soft, squishy area, some of us more squishy than others, right? But that soft area that's so vulnerable, it says you have to put on truth to protect it. Because if you're in battle, you need something that's a little bit tougher than your skin. You know, if you get, if you get hit with a sword, in your midsection, that's kind of game over for you that day or maybe game over, period, right? So you need something, but they also had in this, because of how they used to dress, it not only was to protect this midsection, but also um, use that protection as a belt and gather up your, everything that's dragging, everything that's hanging, everything that's kind of draped around you, gather and tuck it in so it doesn't trip you up. So there's that kind of double sense So that you're not being tripped up as you're fighting in this fight that is the fight of your life. It is the most important thing that you're doing. So back in Roman days, why it's using this imagery is because back in those days, you know, you've seen the picture. They're like wearing robes or they're wearing these long togas and they're all like draping, and that's great fashion statement. You know, back in the first century Mediterranean days, that's 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 appropriate. Maybe it was comfortable, whatever. But that's not appropriate when you're in a battle. So they said, you know, to, when they're saying gird up, it's saying pick up all that draping stuff that's hanging around your legs, hanging around your feet, tuck it in. So it's not, gonna, it's not gonna get in your way as you're trying to maneuver so that you can move the way that you need to move, that you can be confident that you're not going to, your clothing is not gonna be tripping you up. So that's what was called girding up your loins, girding up your midsection. Protect it. Get everything out of the way so that you're tucked in. Get everything situated how it needs to be situated so that you're ready to fight. Spiritually, Ephesians 6, 6 says that's what we do. That's what truth does in our lives. That's how truth is used. It's to protect, it's to gather, it's to hold firm so that things don't trip us up. You know, one of Satan's key weapons that he uses against us, and this is throughout scripture, is deception. It was at the beginning you know, it's, it's in the middle, it's at the end. He, he lies to us, he deceives, he distorts. He gives us misinformation. He feeds us, he twists the truth just a little bit so it's not quite right, just enough to throw us off. John eight forty four. 44, Satan's actually called, he's called a liar, he's called the father of lies. It says, this is his nature, that he's gonna throw deception at you. So when he attacks you, when he tries to get you off of God's plan, when he tries to, he doesn't have to like send you the opposite direction. If he can do that, that's fine. But all he has to do is just, if he can just nudge you so you're just a little bit off, that's fine with him. Just something that will get you off course for God's purpose. His primary scheme is to lie. Now, I told you last week that we're gonna find that this armor, usually, not usually, is always gonna be, it's in direct kind of, um, it helps us directly confront some scheme that Satan's gonna use to get us off of what God wants us to do. So here we have truth, and it's opposing uh, Satan's primary weapon, which is to lie. So how does he lie? Well, he lies about who God is, right? Have you ever heard this one? Oh yeah, God's just said, God is this angry, cranky, old codger who sits in heaven, he has this big stick, and he's just waiting to whack you, right? No, no, God He's just this forgetful old duffer. He's sitting up in heaven. He can hurt a fly. Don't worry about him. Oh no, God, God, he's this kindly old grandpa. In fact, you can usually kind of, just kind of tug on his heartstrings and fool him into giving you everything you want. Or maybe it's just, oh yeah, God, he doesn't exist. Don't worry about him. Lies about God. He doesn't care which of those lies that we believe. He just wants us not to believe the truth. He doesn't want us to know the truth, the truth that God is actually he's the creator of all he's the almighty God and he is he is one who has loved us with, with with an unimaginable love and he pursues us with an unimaginable relentless kind of a grace because he he desires to rescue us from from this death and this unimaginable eternity without him and not only to rescue us out of that but to bring us into this just Undeserved and unimaginable eternity as his children, as his friends, as his people, as his beloved. And Satan does not want you to know that. So he doesn't care which lie, you know, which lie trips you up. He doesn't care which lie gets in the way of you seeing that clearly and your heart just being completely overwhelmed by the grace and the love that God has for you so that you give yourself. He doesn't care which one gets in the way. He just wants one of them to kind of take, he just needs one to take you out of the fight. Satan lies to you about who you are. How many of you have this tape maybe going through your head in one form or another? You are just some meaningless, worthless forgetful speck of protoplasm, right? Living for less than a blink of an eye on this little tiny rock in the, in, the infin, in the infinite space of the universe, you don't matter. Nobody cares about you even if there was a God. Why would he think about you? Lies about you. Doesn't care what part of that you believe. He just needs it to twist up and trip you up. Satan lies about himself, Right? On the one hand, he tries to convince you that demons are these terrifying, powerful things that can consume you in a moment. And so you just need to stay low under the radar so they don't pay attention to you. Or he just tries to convince you, oh yeah, they don't exist. There's no spiritual world. You don't have to worry about them. Don't even think about them. Why? Because then they can operate without, if you don't believe they exist, they can do whatever they want. You're not gonna confront them because you don't believe they exist. He doesn't care which lie. He will lie to you about your standing with God, saying that you're much more secure than maybe you are, or he might twist it and make you worry when you have nothing to worry about because you're secure in Jesus Christ. He lies to you about the consequences of your sin, the consequences of believing a lie. He lies to you about the consequences of of hatred, about the consequences of division, the severity of some of the choices that we make. He lies to you about everything, And he's really good at it. He's good at it, you know, we find in the Old Testament it's likely that before he fell, before he became twisted himself, Satan was actually the the, uh, angel Lucifer. The name Lucifer means light bearer. It means that he was the one that was assigned to actually bear the light. Light in the in the Bible is this is this it's really the picture of truth. And he was the one that guarded it. He was the one that carried it. And so, of course, when he falls, what's he going to be good at? Well, he knows the truth inside and out. So if there's anybody that can twist that thing, so it sounds believable, but it's absolutely not true. It's him. So this becomes his primary weapon because this is who he was. And now he becomes the, the father of lies, a liar himself. It's his nature to twist the truth. It's what he's good at. Because it's who he is. So our protection, what's our protection against these things? Well, it's this thing called the belt of truth. What truth are we talking about? The light of God's word, the light of God's truth. It says like light, you know, darkness can't gang up and sits in the corner and says, okay, let's go get it. You know, goes and gets the light. No, light shines, darkness scatters. That's how truth works. The truth just scatters the darkness, the lies. And this is what keeps us from getting trapped and tripped up in the middle of battle, right? This is what protects our most vulnerable parts of our hearts and our minds in the midst, in the midst of this, this fight. This is, what, this is what allows us to keep things tight and tied up so that they don't trip us up in the middle of walking through and navigating the spiritual world where this warfare is going on. Because again, if we, take, if we take a hit and we don't have that protection, I mean, that's the end of it. That's the end. That's how we get taken out. If you take one of Satan's lies and it doesn't take a big one, it just takes a little one sometimes. But if it gets into that kind of vulnerable midsection of your faith, that underside that's un, you know, highly unprotected and you don't have truth guarding it and tying it up and, and, and keeping kind of everything where it should be, if you don't have that, then suddenly it's like your whole belief system can unravel. You see people just just spiral because one lie that they've they've attached themselves, they've let in because they don't have the truth to defend themselves against it. It also says in scripture that lies can be like those chains. They not only like unravel things, but it's almost like you get thrown, you get bound up by them. And John. 832, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from the lies. Free from the lies that are binding you up and keeping you from being able to live the life that God has actually made you for and called you to. The life that Jesus actually gave his life to open the way into. The life that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon, this, upon us so that, that we could be, know this life of empowered walking with Jesus. Walking in the glory of God. It says lies are chains. Lies are chains that tie us up. We are to, instead we are to be speaking truth to one another, right? We're supposed to be, First John says, we're supposed to be walking in the, walking in the light, not, not lying against the truth and even the ways that we lay, live and the things that we say and the things that we believe. You guys, in, in the ancient world, the midsection. We, we often think, think about our minds and our hearts, right? In, in the ancient world, they thought about the, the midsection. I mean, this was important. There were things going on here that, you know, um, that were more important than how we take them. For example, in, in the Hebrew word, world, the word rachum was talking about this compassion. And we've talked about that word. It's this compassion that stirs up from your guts, from the core of who you are. And it comes out from this place, this midsection. It's important. In, in Greek, they, they called it splachna. It's, it's the same thing. The word literally means your guts, but it came to mean compassion or pity because it was that stirring that comes from within you that compels you on behalf of... And God said, this is my stirring. This is the love that I have. I, it stirs me from the deepest part of me towards you. In, in Egypt, when they, would, when they would mummify a body, they would leave the heart, and the kidneys in the body. There was the only organs that they would leave there because they formed what they believe was like this this balance, this scales. You know, where you have the two and, and the fulcrum here of the heart, but then the two scales. And it was how the they believed this is where we made our, our moral judgments. It was all taking place here. So what this represented in these days that they're talking about, what truth is guarding is that very place that that those parts that make us most human. Those parts that that part of us that makes us most kind of reflects most about that God that we were made in His image. This is where it resides, and truth is what protects it. Truth is what m- keeps us most most human. And then you look at this 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 um this picture of this like this armor of God, and here it starts with this belt of truth that protects this midsection. Um, John 7, 38 and 39, when Jesus was uh, speaking, and he said, you know, the one who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from their innermost being, And it, was, it said really from their belly, from this, this part of them, this place where everything resides, from their belly will flow rivers of living water, and it says in the next verse, and this was speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, they, they saw this is where the Holy Spirit would dwell and begin Begin his ministry. How important is it to protect that place where God begins his work in us and then works his way where it comes in it, like a river of, of life that then bubbles up out of us into this world? He says, it begins there, so protect it. So truth, God's truth is what protects the very work of the Holy Spirit in us. That work that we, we say, God, we wanna be used by you in this world. And he says, well, then protect the place where the spirit is dwelling with truth. Gird up your midsection with truth. So what is this truth? Well, I said there were three layers when we talk about these things. Three parts. There's the God part. There's the me part. There's the us part, the we part. So the God part, what is it? Well, this is God's truth. You know, when Jesus prayed in John 17, and this is why I wanted to start with that passage and not just start you know, with the the Ephesians passage. Because in John 17, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, he he prays that his followers would be sanctified. That word means set apart. Set apart is holy. Set apart is different from this world. Set apart is his own. He says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. This is God's truth. This isn't about being sanctified in any truth. This isn't about picking one of the alternative truths that's out there and just saying, "Or my truth or your truth. It's not about that. It's about sanctify us, shape us, form us in, make us clean, make us different, wash us, set us apart in your truth. If If we will be framed in God's truth, God's truth, then we will be set apart as those that are his. Okay, so God's truth. The second part, the my part. Well, the me part is that I need to then let him do his work. I need to let him conform me to his, his truth. I need to let him conform my thinking to his thinking, my actions to his actions, my feelings to how he, is. he reacts and he responds. And I need to just get, I need to let him do his work of like trimming off the, the stuff that has nothing to do with him and getting rid of it so that all that remains is that new creation that he is working in me, making me more like Jesus, less like this old broken me. Right? That's the me part. We have, you know, we just had a uh, leadership team. Uh, retreat yesterday. And one of the things that we did was we, we looked through these, we've been working on these values and we told you guys about that. And, and we're just finalizing kind of the wording on these values. But one of the values is about God's word. And one of the things that we have said that is important for us to remember, we believe that we are to be conformed to his word rather than trying to conform his word to whatever our agenda or our, our kind of ideas or perspectives or desires are. We don't twist his word to fit us. We instead let his word shape us. That's our part. That's my part, right? So what's the we part? Well, the we part is that we would become a, a community that not only is gathered together, that, that, that the, the, the truth of God holds things together, but that the truth of God is what holds us together. It becomes like the belt of truth that holds us together, that keeps us from being all those Parts that are just flying around loosely in the wind, blowing around every which way, and causing us to keep tripping over each other. That we come to God's truth and we say, Yeah, that's God's truth. That's God's truth, and that's where we gather. I'm not gonna argue with you, you know, if you're standing in truth and I'm standing in my own whatever, you know, and I come and it's like, oh man, I gotta I gotta give that up because this is what holds us together. It's God's truth that he's working in each one of us, God's truth that he is that he is working in us together. That's the strength that we, we, that we gather around. So the question for each one of us is this, is what are those lies then? Individually, that me part. What are the lies that right now are tripping you up? What are the lies that are binding you up or those chains that are keeping you bound up? What are those lies that God is saying, you know what, you need, <laughs> you need freedom from these lies? You need to know the truth so that you can be free. What are the lies that, that Satan is using against you that keep you from being able to and be engaged and move freely in the battle that you, you're in? You're in it. You're in it. We live in that world and there's a war going on. So you're in it. So um, do you question? Do you question God? Do you question God's love for you? Do you question God's goodness And his faithful goodness, his relentless goodness towards you. You question, do you question uh, your own standing, uh, your own standing in Christ? Do you question when he says, you know what, you have authority in these heavenly realms? There is no weapon that's formed against you that's gonna prosper. You stand, when you walk in, you walk in in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can stand. If you resist the devil himself, he has to flee. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. Is there a lie that causes you to question that? So that when you go and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm still nobody, right? Do you, do you question what God has promised is yours? Do you sometimes, do you sometimes wonder about your faith? Do you wonder if, you're, if, you're, if your salvation is secure, even though you know, you know that you have given your life to Christ? You've said, God, this is all yours and I don't wanna be, I don't wanna lead my own life. If, if you've done that, it says, then, then he, he, you're His, and He takes you, and He recreates you, and His Holy Spirit takes a present. Do you question that? Do you wonder then at times? Are there times, on the other hand, maybe that you know you've grown up in church and you say, "Well, I'm a pretty good person," or you know, "I've grown up going to church and that's enough," or "I'm a, you know, I, I, "I," you know, "I," I assent, I give my assent to certain things, but you know that there's never been this this meeting with Jesus where you actually say, "Yeah." Jesus, I'm yours, where you, you concede your will, concede your life to him as your Lord, as your savior. And you haven't done that, but you see, but maybe sometimes you keep trying to bolster your confidence that, yeah, I'm still in good standing with God. And you try and bolster it with, with some kind of like a pep rally for yourself instead of, instead of really going to the promises of God so that you're going to be grounded in truth. Maybe you have questions, you have questions about that you don't understand how important your participation in the body of Christ is. You don't know how important it is for you to be fully equipped and to stand with his body if we're going to be successful. Or maybe you have questions about, you think, well, it's just me and Jesus, so it, it doesn't matter whether I hang out with these guys or not, whether I'm engaged as a member of the body of Christ. You don't realize how important the body of Christ is to you. All of these are lies, So where is it that Satan is taking advantage of you? Where is it that he is throwing his lies that maybe you have these things that are flailing around, tripping you up? What are we supposed to do about it? What can we do about it? What does it mean to gird up our midsection, our, our, with truth, to put on this belt? What's well, about God's word, right? God's truth is, he said, sanctifying them in truth and your word is truth. So what can we do? We can read God's word. Man, take it in. You may not always understand it, but at least start getting it in you. Get yourself into it and take it into you. You can meditate on God's word. This isn't just a mindless babbling of some words that you don't understand. This is letting God's word roll over in your heart and in your mind and in your mouth so that you're listening, you're saying, God, what do you mean by that? Have you ever been reading along and all of a sudden there's something that kind of raises up out of the scripture and you're going, ah, I, gotta, I should pay attention to this. But then you walk away. No, meditate on it. Take it, write it down on a card or something, carry it with you, look at it so it's rolling around so that the Holy Spirit can use it, can speak to you. That's girding yourself in truth and God's word. You can memorize it. You can plant it so deeply in your spirit and in your heart that God can, His spirit can access it anytime He needs to. That He can recall it to mind. And it becomes that buffer that when the, the lies come immediately, the scripture is right there because it's in you. You can study God's word. You can dig into it. You can find, you know, it's like mining for gold out of a mountain. Sometimes you feel like you're digging through all kinds of rubble. Well, yeah, maybe. But find the gold, it's there. Study. You can talk about God's word with each other. You can discuss it. You can ask each other questions. You can show each other. You can talk about the connections that you've seen. You can hear from others what they've found. You can act on God's word. So that it doesn't just become something that you know up here, but it becomes, it becomes embedded in your very, in your very the rhythm of your day and the rhythm of your week. You can pray through God's word. You guys are getting are you getting this? You just keep God's word in every aspect. You can worship in God's word. You let God's word and his promises become the prayers that you pray, the thanks that you give, the praise, the things that you praise Jesus for because you say, you know what? You said this, you did it. What kind of God are you that you pay attention to us and you follow through on your word? What? But then also you can speak God's word. You can speak God's word in the heavenly places. It becomes a weapon. It becomes becomes a, a weapon in battle where Satan tries to level you with one of his lies about who you are, about who God is, about what life is about, about what your purpose in life is. He tries to get you off and immediately you counter it with no because this is what God has said. When Jesus is in the desert and Satan comes and he comes with his, his Jesus-sized temptations for him, and at times even Satan quoted God's word to Jesus, misquoted it, twisted it just a little bit, but just enough, and Jesus said, no, because this is what God has said. Immediately, that's girding your midsection, girding yourself with truth. This is what God has said. It's where you stand up to to the evil one. You say, no, I know. Can you guys say this? Do you know how powerful these words are in the spiritual realm? I know I'm a child of God. I know his blood has purchased me. And that is a price that was paid that cannot be countered. He cannot be outbid. I know that he has purchased me. I know that his spirit indwells me that I have a new creation, that I am held in his hand and he doesn't drop anybody and no one can steal me from him. I know who I am and I know who my God is and I know what my place in this world is. I know what my purpose is in this place. It is to bring glory to Jesus and bring in his kingdom instead of the broken kingdom of this world. It's powerful. Speaking the word of God. Man, if you make a practice of these things, And I mean, make a practice daily, hourly, each minute. Make a practice of these things. God's truth will be a protection to you. It will be that first part of this armor. It's the beginning place of this armor. It will protect that place for the spirit of God where he begins his work in you and begins to work through you. It will be that grounding that you stand on where you cannot be shaken, can't be tossed around, can't be tripped up as you fight what is the fight of our lives. So he says, so buckle up, right? Put on the belt. Gird your loins, your midsection, gird yourself with truth. Amen? Can we do that? You guys, we're gonna go into a, a, a song of worship. Of worship as we close, Um, and as we do, I want you guys to do something maybe a little bit different. You know, it's worship a lot of times provides an environment, but it's not just an environment where it's not just about singing. There are times that God says, Hey, I want you to be a part of the praise that goes on here, and if that's what's stirring in your heart, that's that's fantastic. But the other is I want you to be asking yourself seriously, what are, the, what are the lies that are getting in the way of you that are tripping you up from being effective in this life and in this battle that God has called you to? What are those lies? What are those lies that you need to take to him? What are those lies that you need to know his truth about? Or maybe you already know that truth and you just know that you're hanging on to the lie instead of the truth, Right? Let his spirit do his work where he raises, he shines his light on that. And he says, yeah, this is something that got to go because this is not, it's not helping you. It's not helping you. It's not helping you find that life that you, you desire. He desires it for you. He desires the life that he intended you for. He made you for something and he made a life for you. And it's good. You're not walking in that. There's something getting in the way. And, and 10 to one, is, it's a lie. It's a deception. It's a twist. So let him show you that. Ask him to start, to start you on this journey. If this, and it may be the start of a journey. It may be just a continuation. It may be remembering and getting back to this journey that you are sanctified. You are daily. You are made more like Jesus. You are daily made more to be, that people recognize that you're his. So you're sanctified in his truth. But take the time to have that conversation. Let this this environment of worship be that place that you can hear and you let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Amen?